Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. From Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, we hunt the world, and you can too. Do you want to take your hunting skills to the next level? Ever thought about going on that hunting adventure of a lifetime? But didn't know where to start? This podcast will be for you. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Brian Maiman, co-founder of Rolling Bones Outdoors. Uh, I wanted to say to my left, left, but that's all that's left is my left. And that's Brian Martin. We are on number, what was, did you say, Brad? 247, Brian Martin gear list continued, part W-A-Z. Index number 143712. Subparagraph four. It's all set. <laughs> Brian Martin the Great. And across the table from me is Brad Dana. And we are on a gear list. We actually are wrapping this up. Um, it'll be this month sometime. But no, we're having a little fun. But the gear is important, and we know that. And uh, we've actually got a ton of feedback. So if you haven't listened to the last two, I would go back and listen to them. We've been getting a ton of great feedback on all the information and the specific details that we've delivered that have helped people out. And we love bringing this to you, man. We so appreciate you tuning in today and listening as we do every day. No matter where you're at in the world, we hope you are safe and healthy and living life large. So we are going to focus today on what what were we, where where were we at, guys? Well, we were actually going to mention Topo Maps quickly. Yes. Um, but not much, but just uh, we'll do another thing on maps and GPS. Since almost later. nobody knows how to read one anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then we uh, need to talk about some of the, you know, like the emergency stuff we take for gun and uh, the rifle and shooting. Um, we hadn't talked about the cookware and food, and we hadn't talked about all the, like, the medical, emergency medical type things you should take on these uh, international remote wilderness hunts. We'll get it started. Let's talk about topos real quick. And uh, and then let's uh, then let's roll into I don't want to I don't want to not have it but let's roll into maybe uh, some of the personal gear and make sure that we cover that and uh, um, I, th- I don't think that'll be really long but then we can uh, discuss the hunting the, the rifle stuff what do you think let's do it yeah we can do that well I, my take on the on the topo maps is I grew up like you guys did hunting with topo maps pre GPS pre um, you know satellite phones. And you still can't really beat a nice big fold-out topo map, or even if you um, have a very specific place, you can even go online and print out Google Earth maps and just print them on your printer and fold them and put them in a Ziploc bag, you know, the 8.5 by 11. I just tilt the Google Earth, whatever, 20, 30 degrees so it's not flat, so you have like a 3D view. And I print those out, and then I like to have either 1 to 50, 1 to 100, or 1 to 250. Probably if you can get the 1 to 100 ratio, it's probably a good happy medium. 1 to 50 is if you want to see every, like, really cliff face. And 1 to 250 is if you want a big overview, like if you're flying over with an airplane or something or driving through an area and you want to kind of get big landmarks. But it's not really good for knowing if a human can hike it or not hike it. So in general, I like maps of where I'm going. And, again, you don't have to get really fancy ones. If you're going to hunt an area on a regular basis and you can order it, I'd recommend ordering, like, a Tyvek map. I know there's sites online where you can still go and order what paper you want it printed on and set the area, and so those are really nice. And then, again, the Google Earth, you just I, I just save it, an image on my computer, 
and then I can print it out and save it, and uh, it's always there because they're going to get wet eventually, and you're going to have to reprint them. It depends if you're going to hunt that area again or not. If it's a one-time shot, you probably don't have to. And then, of course, download uh, and sync if you have a Garmin in reach um, or you have a Garmin GPS. It's always good to sync maps um, either on your computer and then put them on your unit or if you have a cell phone synced with your Garmin, um, download the maps to your cell phone before you leave, especially if you're going to go to a remote country where you don't have good cell phone service. And then that gives you a really moving map as you're walking and driving. Um, it does take up a bit of data on your phone but it's definitely better than just trying to use the GPS on the, the screen of the GPS is fairly small compared to these new smartphones. So I recommend both. Um, and you can also screenshot different maps. You can even take pictures of maps um, and then save them on your phone. And that's another way to do it quick and dirty. But I definitely like to have a couple different options. It's the more I hunt areas, the less maps, the less I use a map. But when I'm hunting a new area and if I'm going D, you know, if you're not going with an outfitter, um, it's good to have, but even, if you are going with an outfitter, not every outfitter has good maps. So if you know where you're going to be going, uh, download the maps to the area, and, and um, then you always can you, you kind of know. It's always good to have a backup to know if you were in the if it gets dark or foggy how you can get out of there. Yeah, I perfect. Haven't, I haven't bought a topo in a long time, but I've used my topo. I don't know if they're even in business anymore, or if that's. But I've had I built maps on those. They're they're super nice. They're waterproof paper and well, it's it's funny if you go to if you go to our website. One of the and I know how important topos are, and I'm glad you brought that back up to you, Brian. Because if you go to our website and any one of our hunts, we have Google Earth the general location you're going to be hunting, so you can go in on that and you can look at the topographical area. One of the things it used to be not as much anymore, but when I would go on a hunt, I would ask the outfitter, "Could you send me a topographical map?" And the reason being is like moose hunts. Um, I'm, I'm I, I, I enjoy all kinds of moose hunting. I don't like the. Mm, I shouldn't say I don't like. I sound like Brian Martin there for a minute. Some of my mannerisms. You don't like um, hunting in a dense forest as much, do no, you? No, it's not that I don't mind hunting in dense forests. Lowland moose hunting. When I after having done a few of those. It's not what I wanted to spend money on to go get that one trophy. Right. And you know, you were with me. You want to get I, up and look I, at them. I and passed up moose. Hike. Yeah, I wanted yeah, I get, a wilderness yeah. moose hunt. So it's a whole different deal. We would have people call us when we were vetting outfitters early on in the days, and they would say, hey, come. And you remember, I would say, yep, have no problem checking it out. Send me a topo. And I'd want that topo just because I, I want to know the geographical region of what I was hunting and how I was hunting it. And so I think that that's speaking to what you're saying, Brian, and it's super important. Yeah, when I ran the big Canadian outfit, I actually, in the hunter information manual, actually had the topos down and where they've got, the hunters could buy a topo so they could just go online and uh, have a have a professional-made map sent to them. So they would go get there and they would have the maps. All of our guides had maps, but some of the hunters are very interactive and they're do-it-yourself type hunters in general, and they could get that topo online. You know what? One of the things I loved to do when I was younger, when I first started my Western <coughs> Adventures, that kid from Rural Route 3, Waverly, Iowa, that moved to... Wisconsin and, and was like, I got to get out west. I would always order those topos. And when I would go, like you said, I'd put them in a Ziploc bag and I'd like make little marks, wallow elk. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I, I would I would make little notes on them. And it was such, it was, it, they were like a badge of honor. Then when I got home downstairs on my archery table, I'd pin those puppies up and I had them there. You know, like I'd been there, done it, check it off. You know what I'm saying? Right. 
So I, I, I uh, well, the more the more way, waypoints you have put, even even before GPSs, you would have your own homemade waypoints, so to speak, right on there. And then you that that map started becoming more like your backyard. Then it really the did. more the more okay. Here's a wallow. Here's where Jason shot his bull in 2014, and here's where Dave shot his bull in 2000. Pretty soon you had. You had a little uh, home, a little community there that you could na- navigate around. So, I like it. That, that's right. So I guess you know is uh, I think that's a really good point, Brian. What are we going to go to next? Personal items and a few a little bit of the additional equipment, or do you want to jump into the uh, rifle and gear? Because those are really our next two, I think. Um, you know, so if we're just going to go in order on the on the the list here, we can go oh, right yes. into the rifle and gear. Okay, let's do that. <clears throat> so. Basically, on this gear list, I put down kind of everything that you might need or not need, and I even take a few extra things. But, you know, we talk about a gun and scope. You know, obviously, most people shoot a bolt-action gun with some type of a scope, uh, with some type of a reticle or a turret on it, and uh, some type of a shooting rest. So if you're going to be shooting in the mountains and you're going to be laying prone, then you want some type of a bipod. If you're going to be shooting deer, bear, moose, you want to... Uh, I always take a bipod uh, that I can sit with. And also one that I can um, uh, lay prone with. Because when you're zeroing your rifle, it's much easier to zero when you're prone. And then if I'm going to be do hunting something in Africa or maybe certain kinds of black bear hunting where I'm going to be shooting standing up a lot, I will take a shooting stick, a monopod, bipod, tripod. I, I'm really a big fan of the new, um, you know, Spartan Havilons are really good. I mean, some of the ones you see that people have are little, the little trigger sticks. That Any of those work fairly decent, but the Spartan is the best if you're going to have like a shooting tripod like you would use in Africa. And then you jump down to the rifle sling. I mean, that's kind of a given most. If you're going to be riding a horse in Kyrgyzstan, if you're going to be riding an ATV, if you're going to be hiking through the woods, you know, you're going to need some type of a rifle sling. And then also a scope cover. I like a neoprene scope cover that protects the, my favorite of the scope coats, XPs. Um, but Swarovski makes good one. If you have a Swarovski, Leopold makes a decent one. Um, there's different companies like Best of the West has their own that they, you know, they private label. And those are all really good. And it keeps the gun from getting scratched in the truck or in a, in a rifle scabbard or laying on the rock. Um, and when I'm getting, if I'm still hunting an animal, I take it off, of course. I don't like any flip-up mounts or anything when I'm, you know, stalking an animal. So if you do have flip-up mounts, some guys like the Butler Creek. Um, some of you might like the Leopold. Uh, makes a really good Aluma, called Aluma something. And they come on, they come standard on some of the higher end Leopold scopes, and those are nice because they're, they're they're much stronger than the plastic, and you can just pop them down, and they stick on top of the scope. And so I don't mind those. Typically, the Butler Creeks and those, I've had them. You know, I've had hunters have them break in the in the forest and the bush. So I'm not a big fan of those. They're great for going to the target range. They're great for farming hunting, but they're not really great for big game hunting. I don't wear have any flip ups on any of my big game rifles. Um, <clears throat> The other thing is we, we talked about a little bit, the Kafaro gun bearer system is what I, is probably the best one I found. There's other pack companies that you want something that you can strap it to your body or your pack so you can have your hands free uh, in addition to strapping it to your pack if you're in the mountains. And then a cartridge carrier, um, you know, I you need to take, I put down on this list, you know, 10 to 20 cartridges if you're going on a backpack trip, but when you're traveling abroad, I would say, you know, we always take usually 40 rounds. If you're going to Africa or places where you might shoot more, you might take 60, and that depends on the airline. Some some countries like uh, Mongolia only allow 30 rounds, so you just have to know before you go. And I take I like those little shell holders uh, that hold five and five, uh, so they fold up like a wallet, and I can put those in my pocket. Um, if you have a gun with an extra magazine or a clip, then I would take one of those also. 
um, that's safe in case you ever lose one. Um, I know you guys, um, especially Brian, almost always has the padded cheek piece, and some of those you can put, you know, bullets in that little pocket on the side. I don't like if I'm in the mountains or in the forest. I don't like packing the bullets on the side of my gun because too many times, you know, myself or hunters have lost bullets out of those little, uh, you know, those little slip-on pouches that go over your butt. So I prefer not to do that. Some guys want to do that. That's more to me more of a target shooting and and a varmint type thing. Um, I used to take an AccuSight laser bore sighter, and those are really good. But I found that, you know, most of the time I can bore sight pretty well just looking down the barrel. But those are pretty handy and tricky. I mean, you, so let's say if you fall on your gun and it's, um, you don't know if it's on or not, you can throw one of those in and you got to go to a back to a, a, the same yardage. So you got to use it like at 20 yards or 25 yards. And then you can just basically check and see if your gun's still zeroed. And also those little Leopold bore sighters, you can actually check if you drop your gun and you can't shoot it. It's not a bad idea. Or if you go to an area, and um, like me, uh, going as a guide, I would sometimes take them because some of the hunter's guns might be off a little bit and they couldn't hit paper if they had some issues with the flight. Um, doesn't happen very often. Most of the time, the guns are pretty close. And then um, you get jump down to the cleaning rods. I always take a, a cleaning rod that if there's something stuck in the barrel, you, know, you can jam it down. So like boar snakes are not a cleaning rod. That's kind of quick and dirty if you want to run basically like a dry patch to it. Um, but I always take a one-piece cleaning rod, or if you if you need to something more compact, and you want to carry it with you on the horse or on the in the backpack, a three-piece aluminum. Or I actually like the Otis cleaning cables because it's stiff enough. I can, if you got mud or something in your barrel, you can push it through. And and I always take a brush and a little bit a little bit of solvent and some cleaning patches, and then of course electrical tape for your barrel. Um, good quality stuff like the Su Scotch Super 33 Plus. Those are really really good. Um, gun oil, I have either, you know, you can get the pre, pre-packaged gun oil things. So if you get a lot of rain on your gun, you can take care of, um, and keep the rust down. I always carry a little piece of, um, steel wool, triple lot or double lot steel wool, and a little bit of oil. So if you do get some rust, some stainless will rust, like if you're in Alaska, or if you have an older gun, it'll rust too. Or some of the scope rings that are steel, uh, they will also rust. So I always have a little bit of gun oil and a little bit of, uh, st uh you know, the steel wool. We're going to get you converted to seal one this year. Yeah, seal one is also good. Um, but if you're in like the, if you're on the coastal where you're pushing through the brush all the time, and I leave my gun sometimes out. When I used to use a one-man tent or a bivy sack, I'd leave my gun outside, leaning against a tree right beside. There wasn't room inside the tent, and you're gonna it's just gonna get rained on during the night, and that's just part of it. You have the barrel tape shut. Um, but yeah, the seal one is really nice. It's like a lubricant, and it's also anti um, anti rust. It's a dry lube. Yep. And then you're talking uh, specialty tools for anything that has an Allen wrench, <clears throat> a hex head, a star head, any of that stuff, you need to have a wrench for it that you can pack with you in the field. And then it, at the base camp, I always have like the fix-it sticks with has, um, Brad was the first one to show me those. And they come in like a little black pouch and you can get a, like a 30 inch pounds and a 25 inch pounds and a 50 something and a 60 something. And so those are really good depending on the type of scope mounts you have to check and to make sure your action screws are tight. You can do that before you leave, and so you don't technically have to do that. Um, but I, I always take it because a lot of times I might be overseas for two months, and I might have to fix client's gun, so I take that. Hard weapon case, of course, is a given. I always take a two-gun uh, case or, like, um, the Tough Pack. Uh, usually the, some of the good gun cases made by Pelican. I have a Starlight, which I don't think they're actually some other company bought them. And then what's the other case that a lot of Plano? People, Plano is decent. And then um, they make a, some really good bow cases. 
and I'm trying to think of the name. I will think of it here. SKB. SKB, yep. SKB makes some good cases. And these are all that 200 to 250 plus dollar range for the doubles, and the tough packs are probably 300. But something that you can put your gun, your shooting, cleaning supplies in. I put my knives, I get that thing at 50 pounds, so I'm not wasting, you know, 20 pounds of luggage. Uh, if you only take a single gun case, you can't put the other stuff in it, and you're going to be paying the same same price. And you do that on multiple, multiple trips, and that extra 20-plus pounds of gear you can put with your gun, it saves you a lot of extra baggage. You know, definitely pay for the gun case. And then, uh, uh, so when I fly with a gun, I have, I take my gun if I'm going to go on a horseback hunt, I actually take out the inside foam in the case and put my gun in the soft leather, um, that's not really soft, it's actually fairly stiff leather scabbard or if i'm going on a vehicle hunt or a quad hunt i'll take a soft case and that way i again i, I have the foam out of the because a lot of these custom gun makers will cut your gun perfectly out in the, in the shape of the gun and the place for the bolt and maybe your range finder but they still have 15 20 pounds of empty space that you're not using so i take that whole piece out put my gun in the soft case take the bolt out and then put everything inside the, the gun case. It's not really messy if you do it right. I take a bunch of little plastic container snap lids that you buy like at Walmart, and I put different things in those, and I have my ditty bags from Kafaro or like Sea uh, to Summit. And then you always want to make sure you take your firearms declaration form, uh, the 4457, anytime you leave the U.S. and coming back. And I, you can make a photocopy of that, put it in your gun case. And, and we talked on another podcast about padlocks. Make sure you take extra padlocks. And I like combination pad, padlocks. I don't like keys. Uh, easier to lose a key. The only thing is a tough pack. Only It comes with its own, you know, like a circular key, so you have to use that. But any of the other gun cases, I like to use the, um, yeah, the, the, the combination. It's just way easier. And you can remember it. And if, you, if you're at a different part of the airport and they said, well, we got to open your gun and uh, you don't have to go and give them the keys. You just you know call through on the cell phone, and they can open your gun and inspect it through the the unlocked. I mean, the firearms unloaded, but tag in there, and you're ready to go. And make sure you always when you when you check in that you um, tell them. I've had one time I had a gun case inside. It was a takedown shotgun case, and my gun was taken apart inside of it. And they threw it on the conveyor belt before I was able to put the thing in. Then I had to go talk to the police guys. who said, well, how can we put the gun through? I said, well, the lady put it on the belt before I could uh, put anything on. And they, okay, we understand, but you can't be doing that. I said, well, I know that. Um, so just make sure that you you uh, tell them where your ammo and your, and your uh, gun is when you uh, go check in at the airport. Anyway, that's what I take when I'm going on a, uh, on a hunt. And the ammo should also be in any more. Just plan on putting your ammo in a hard plastic box or a metal box and check that separately from your gun in a soft case and some countries when you come back they make you actually check that box separately so it needs to have a padlock on it and that way it can go right on the conveyor belt and they and they usually put a special like an orange tag on it that shows its ammo so that's also really important that's not something you pack in the mountains with you but when you're flying that's something you need to have with you just never put your ammo in just loose anymore if you're leaving the united states i like it is that all you bring? <laughs> <laughs> that was that was uh, that was. I bring a few more things actually. Well, but that's it, all yeah. you need. Yeah, you bring a few more things. Yeah, because oh, I, I I, I, I'm always fixing people's. Yeah. A lot of times I'm fixing people's. If I'm borrowing a gun, I'll take a scope leveler and and um, an extra trigger, and I'll take um, yeah a few different things that I can fix guns that if I need to borrow them. Our cheek piece is uh, a little different too because we store the extra ammo inside the zippered pouch, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah, archery is a little different. Um, I, I will tell you this. Uh, we have the archery list on there. 
I would say there's a few things from an archery hunter's perspective. Uh, before I did my first rifle hunt, I did four or five guided. Before I did my first guided rifle hunt, I did four or five guided archery hunts and uh, went on out west a few times. Uh, I actually had a buddy. We, were, we uh, went to Quebec together. We were in Montreal, got all set. We were going up on a bow hunt to do caribou in the Ngava territory, right, out of Shefferville. And we're, we're, I don't even know why we got on the dadgum plane, because it was a bucket of terrible. And uh, but we got on the plane, and it was this commercial plane that this company shuttled people back and forth up there to the mine and the hunting. And uh, anyway, we got on the plane, and we're, we're flying along, and my buddy grabs my arm, and he looks at me. And he's like, I forgot my... Mm, mm, mm. Bad word? Insert bad word And here. I'm like, are you kidding me? Who forgets their limb bolts for their recurve? And he goes, I know I did. He goes, I'm sitting here thinking about putting my bow together. I forgot my limb bolts on the counter on the kitchen table when I left. So my 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 only suggestion with um with the archery that's stuff, like a breakdown bow. Yeah, that well it <laughs> it, it, it was a uh, yeah it was a custom it, it was a custom recurve and uh, Black Widow. It was super nice recurve. And but a super nice custom recurve without limb bolts is a super expensive bucket of wood, and it's even bad fire starter to be honest with you. So uh, anyway, we we went up there. He shot my compound, um, but my big thing for the compound is I always take a backup. Always, always, always take a backup release. Brian has that on here. Two releases. I like that. The other thing I do is I always with the sights. I always throw a cheap sight uh, um, system in because it's so stink. It takes no room, and I, he has that too, extra rest and sight pins. Mm -hmm. I take the O extra sight housing because with an Allen wrench, make sure you take your, um, your, your multi-tool Allen wrench, your bow stuff, but you take that off. You can If you break it, it busts. You can put a new sight window box and, and pin system on there in two seconds. Uh, string wax. Allen wrenches, all that stuff, broadheads. Make sure you go to the web and download this. It would be well, well worth it um, and uh, get all this stuff because it, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's something you guys need. And when you're heading out, man, it's always to have better to have more than not. The other thing um, I would tell you that I used a lot of if I shot feathers or um, veins is I always sprayed um, hairspray. Um, you, you've heard of that. Um, I always spray feathers mm -hmm. yeah. and because here's why. Are you shooting a recurve? Um, nope. Uh, oh, you nope. shot feathers for a while. You switch uh, well, back and forth. Uh, no, with broadheads, I would shoot a two and a half inch feather, four mm -hmm. vein. Stabilize my broadhead better if I didn't want to use a fixed broadhead. Four blade feathers will. Uh, it, it's just something that guys that really know how to shoot uh, use once in a while, Brad. So it's not that big a deal. Um, but seriously, uh, this was my preference because to get the old, you know, Thunderhead one ten. It, it was what guys from Iowa who sat in a tree on their twelve acres. That's what they hunted. I get it. I get probably, it. Probably, but when that's all you get to shoot in Iowa, you get really good at shooting that, and you know how it works. So anyway, you want to stabilize that arrow, right? So mm -hmm. anyway, I would always take a little hairspray. Yeah, it's hard to get aerosol in and out of things, but that's just something. And even on the other fletching, it uh, it's, gets the water off right away. You put hairspray on there, you're shooting in the rain, poof, water dissipates super fast. Little trick, just something. But um, I see you had it on there, and it's pretty good. And then the muzzleloader stuff, same way. Yeah, the muzzle loaders. That's uh, that's. I mean, all these. If you're gonna travel the muzzle loader, that's hard, because uh, the travel with the powder and the bullets, 
um, and the primers. And um, in the U.S., it's not a big deal, but a lot of times people would ship that ahead and find out the powder they liked and ship it ahead and, and, and get the powder. Um, I know guys that used to take 12-gauge shotgun shells and uh, take those apart and, and put the powder in there and the bullet and everything. Really? And when they used to use the, um, the a little strategic, you know. <laughs> that did that shoot a little hotter than normal? No, no, they did. No, they disassembled it to get the, the to get the powder out. I'm th- I'm thinking you, t- you take an empty shotgun hole and you uh, oh, put it in it was, it, I was yeah. thinking I was thinking wow that's no that's, I, I, I read what thinking, you were picking so up. you read it I was thinking they actually broke the thing apart and took no, the no. damn powder out of the shell no put but the they put the powder in, in where the BBs went so they could have it in there. Yeah, they would do wow. it both. Actually, you could put. Yeah, you can actually. Innovative. You can actually even load it like a normal shotgun almost, and take it apart when you get there. That's a bit of a hassle. Um, so oh. for for me, hunting international with a muzzleloader, I do not recommend it. There is no <laughs> you, advantage. You, you've got a fifty analogies for that. There is you? no advantage to doing that because I mean, basically, the whole reason to shoot with a muzzleloader is so you ha- you can hunt a better season. You can, yeah, the, is to there, get a damn. There, there is no hunting with a muzzleloader internationally. In places where they don't have the gunpowder and stuff is not very wise. Remind me of the Brian Martin analogy after we're done with this podcast. Remind me of the Brian Martin analogy that almost came out of my mouth today, and I couldn't. Even, I had to reset myself. So anyway, it was uh, Brian. You're rubbing off. So yeah, muzzle. Well, you know what? That's that's good information. So I think we got everything except for. Um, maybe in the last few minutes here, the personal items in the back, tooth, uh, toothpaste, dental floss. I got to tell you, those little dental pickers for me, when you go to the personal item thing, um, I have to have those. I go nuts if I don't have those little things to pick my teeth out with. And I would my suggestion with this, and I know you guys have a lot, I'm going to let you run with it, and just honestly, but my personal thing, like nail clippers, a lot of this stuff, um, and we need to do a, a podcast. I put it all in my medical kit that I get from, what's the name of that company? Uh, Mountain Medic. Mountain well, Medic. You know that guy, Brian, right? Yeah, I know. We, Brian we should, do a, we should yeah. do a podcast with him. Yeah. We should have well, him your, on. You, well, na- your nail clippers, you don't necessarily, necessarily need to pack. So during the day, so I have my leave at the tent bag if I'm going to be leaving. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I yeah, take, yeah. You know. But I'm talking when you head out on a trip, I always have that too. I'm just saying, like, I break my thumbnails all the time. You need and, to take it. Somebody's going to need one. Yeah. And, and, uh, but anyway, my suggestion was because I want you guys to go on this. My suggestion was is if you use it a lot, make sure you take it because these little conveniences make you feel like you're all warm and fuzzy in your own little home. Well, a lot of equipment lists don't have this on them, but the reason I built this is that way when you're getting ready to go on a trip, yeah, you don't necessarily need that for hunting, but you need, need it for the trip at some point. And so it's nice to have everything on one list. That way you don't, you know, if you need it, you know, it's on the list. If you don't need it, it's probably not on the list. Well, you know what? There's a couple of things there I will tell you that I really like. Um, I like having a little container of the soap um, that I like from home. So when I do get to a shower or if I get in a crick, I can smell like I smelled at home. It's just a little. And the other thing is, is those, uh, um, those fold-up little towelettes that you can take for camping um, to have a couple of those. Little the, body wipes. Little bo- um, I'm talking about the, the dry ones. You oh, like, like the, the little the um, little. Oh, you towels. mean the ones you put water in and they, get, they hydrate? Yeah. The little tablets? Yep, or, or, the, or the ones that dry yourself off. I like to have a towel. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bather, so I like to go down, even if it's cold, and get in the creek and clean up. And so this list to me is just genius, Brian. I really like. That's it. where I took those. It, we, we took. I always took a little like a. They usually were blue or purple, like a little chamois. Yes. 
Oh, yeah. That, that's kind of what that that's is. That's what it is. a pack towel. Yeah, pack towel. Thank you. Yeah, you take a, a pack towel. towel. And then if you, if you uh, need to wash your hair and you go to some place and they don't have a towel, at least you can sponge off enough where you're not dripping, running run, run around. Or, you know, if you're out and you want to wash yourself by a creek and you're going to, you know, a August or September bow hunt, um, we, you get really dusty and you're going to be spending a couple nights in a tent. It's nice. Right. And sunglasses. I always take three pairs of sunglasses. I get severe headaches. Well, if I don't have sunglasses. You get snow blind if you go on a, like a Marco Polo or mountain goat hunt and it gets snows on you. Really? Yeah, and I've never been on one of them, but I know me, I take three pairs of sunglasses, and I have one two. on me all the time. And so so th- this is just a good little list. And the then lip the balm is lip key. Balm. Yeah, I was just going to say. Because you get the crap blistered out of your lips. Yep. Some people get fever blisters that come on. You get the sunburn. It's just not good. You get chapped lips. It's not fun at all. And then um, like deodorant. The best deodorant is just baking soda. I pack a little container with a little uh, puffer lid on it. So it's not as good as like the wind puff powder, but you can use it as wind puff powder. And that thing will last a long time. And if you're getting cramps, actually, you can eat some of the baking, baking soda and drink water with it. Um, but yeah, it makes really good deodorant. So really? If you're, if you're, I didn't know if that. If you're sweating, if you're a big sweater, just take that puffer and Brad's put it on your hand sweater. and throw it up under your armpits and you won't have the odor. That was the, very, the single best deodorant I used for years as a bow hunter when I used to bow hunt. And um, I yeah, like so, old so it does three classic. things. It does wind detection. It does um, direct wind direction. It does deodorant. And if you want to, you know, again, if you are cramping up and stuff, the baking soda actually can be a little bit of a performance. If you eat too much of it, it can give you diarrhea. But in general, a little bit doesn't hurt. It's also good if you get somebody gets has got to fly in a plane, and um, and they they drank too much the night before. I see an old outfitter mix a bunch of baking soda up in water and have the guy drink it. And it makes you, usually makes the guy puke. And then he doesn't puke on the plane on the way out. Um, <laughs> I guess Brian Martin been there, done that, huh? Yeah, and then the prescription medication. You know, we'll, we'll do. I think we'll do another one on more um, specifics. But I take antibiotics. Um, I take eye drops that in, in case you um, you know get some in your eye. I've had guys get an eye infection like Tobradex or Tobramycin. Um, you know your anti-inflammatories. I usually take two or three different kinds: aspirin. I take, uh, we used to take Celebrex, um, and I, you know, you can take the Naperson, which is, I guess, a leave, um, you know, first aid kit, depending on how big a one, if I go on a small, a backpack trip, I don't carry like the big uh, safari medic trip, uh, kit It's it's too big for a backpack. So I, I, I kind of make my own little bag of different things for the feet. And, but if I'm at base camp or around horses or where there's more likely to get injured then that, those bigger uh, bags are nice. And then, you know, I lift down here, monkey butt you know, gold bond, all that stuff, athlete's foot, that stuff is really key. You always want to have that. Probably the single biggest thing, and I don't think I actually put it on this list, I call it, uh, I call it skin slick. Um, it's like skin Teflon, uh, human Teflon, and it's uh, sports shield, and a lot of runners use it, and that works really well if you're getting chafing between your legs, or a lot of runners will use it on their nipples when they're running. I mean, guys run marathons of those 100-meter uh, not 100 meter, but 100, 100, 100 kilometer, 100 mile races. Yeah, uh, I'm they'll get, they'll get chafing. I used it last time I did one. <laughs> and then I also take multivitamins, of course. And I put I, you can organize those in little Ziploc bags so you don't take the bottles. And um, yeah, those are all really all, all really good things to have. And make sure if you have glasses or contacts, you take extra stuff. This is where I, if I have um, something, you know, the the butt wipes, and we call them like the Cottonelle or the the dude wipes and different ones, baby wipes. 
those are good, but if you, it's always good to have a couple of like more high, high alcohol content um, for cleaning your hands off if you got to get something in your eye. Q-tip is always good. You can use a Q-tip to get things out of a person's eye. So, yeah, I always, that's the reason I put everything on this list. In fact, I've probably added a few things since I made this list that I would even add to this list. You never bring any narcotics with you? Throw a few I do. in there? Yeah. I do. Yeah, I, I've had a couple times. podcast he said on that. I've had, a, do that. I've had a couple times where I messed with a guide and uh, gave him a few anti-inflammatories and a narcotic and make sure he knew that he got some medication. But um, <laughs> it's always entertaining. Sometimes they're really happy and other times they say, I didn't sleep very good last night. What would you give me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had that experience, but we can talk about that on the narcotics ones. So, hey, I appreciate it. Great job, guys. I really enjoy getting all this information, and I hope you guys are enjoying it too. We appreciate you listening in. And uh, go ahead. Go to rollingbonesoutfitters.com, rollingbonesoutfitters.com, or give us a shout at 605-644-8000. You need uh, questions answered. You got questions on where to go, when to get there, how to get there, all that stuff get a hold of us appreciate you checking in make sure you go look at our memberships all right be safe stay healthy and uh, enjoy the rest of your week